This episode is brought to you by the official coffee of the Chromecast podcast, Fresh Roasted Coffee, who we've partnered with to make a special edition Chrome Unboxed anniversary blend. Here at Chrome Unboxed, we're not just nerdy about Chromebooks, we're also coffee snobs. And look, we wasted a lot of time hand roasting coffee before we found Fresh Roasted Coffee, and we haven't looked back since. This coffee is roasted fresh to order, immediately packaged, nitrogen flushed and shipped directly to your door. And although we can't officially say that this Chrome Unbox Edition tastes any better than the normal anniversary blend, that is the word around town. But don't just take our word for it. Pick up a bag for yourself and let us know what you think. You can grab a bag over at chromeunbox.com forward slash coffee. Welcome to the Chromecast the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Chromecast. My name is Joe Humphrey, and I am joined here today by Gabriel Bringers. Good morning. And Robbie Payne. Hey, what's up? We've got a fun episode today, uh, and we're going to start with something a little different. Uh, we It's going to tie into Chrome OS, um, but this is something uh, that, that we've been experimenting with around the office. Um, we bought a Microsoft Surface Go. The Oh, man, I've, I had it in my head so as I started uh, to say we, it. We got the, the Pentium, Pentium Gold. Pentium Gold. 8 gig, 128. Yeah. So those those stats sound like Chromebook stats. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. And and uh, we, what was the original reason? Oh, you just bought it because you wanted to try Edge stuff. But then we've used it for two or three other yeah, things now. Yeah, so Edge is just now coming out of beta. So the Chromium build of Edge is just now coming out of beta. Um, and Dieter Bone did a follow-up like re-review of it. And he, all he did was spend time in web apps, and so uh, Chromium, basically treated it as a, a Chromebook. Yeah, Pretty so much, his yeah. like his titles were great. Like it was like Microsoft built, you know, a, a surprisingly built a great Chromebook. You know, <laughs> that doesn't run Chrome OS. Yeah, yeah there there are great titles for the video in the in the article. But his general premise was, hey, now that I've he was using Chromium or uh, Edge Beta. Um, at the time, it, it, since his article, it has come out of beta now. It's just genu- genu- generally available. Um, and he was using the beta version. Uh, and the benefit there is that Edge, with the Chromium underpinnings, uh, has the ability to run all your Chrome extensions. Um, it treats PWAs the same way that Chrome does. I mean, underneath the hood, it's basically Chrome. Uh, and while there are a ton of detractors that think this is a terrible thing, I, I still tend to think that it's a good thing, that it's a positive thing for uh, everyone involved, that Microsoft is going to see certain things in Chrome that they don't like, uh, battery performance, RAM management, that kind of stuff. They're going to submit fixes for those types of things to the Chromium repositories to fix it so that it's fixed in Edge. And then Chrome also gets to get fixed as well. I mean, right. we've already started we've to see We've seen some... quite a bit, actually. Uh, there's There was an article going around last week that a bunch of people picked up where, and it was just an op- one of the open source threads where the Chromium team and I guess the Microsoft Chromium team were just working together. Microsoft said, hey, do you want us to pick up the ball and run with this? You know, because 
it's their browser now too. Right. So why would it not benefit them to help develop it and make it better? So right. To me, this is the the best example of open source software yeah, doing right. what it's I think the people that do. have a problem with it are the people that don't like Chrome being the number one browser because it's Google. Yeah, and, I think and, a lot of it is. And that. there's a there's a tinge of oh you know it's a monopoly or oh you know no, it's one it's no source. it's not it's it's they're just taking the same engine, the base engine and making their own thing. Like edge is a decidedly different browser than Chrome. It's just nice now that developers don't have to make an extension for two things. And edge doesn't have to figure out how are we going to get people to build extensions for us when everyone loves Chrome? Well, guess what? Now they can build them for both. And I mean, there, there are some people um, saying that, Hey, because of this move, there's a chance now that edge might regain some, some of the former glory of Internet Explorer, you know, and it might get back some of the uh, the market value. And so that, that very well could be the case. And so it's really cool to see Chromium being used in this way where um, it, it feels very anti-monopoly, actually, when you think about it this way. It's like Google's giving away the keys to the kingdom here. And what it could very well lead to is the ability for people to, inst- you know, boot up their Windows machine and not bother with Chrome because... In some ways, like until Google does specific things that are Chrome only, some of those benefits just aren't going to be. There's not going to be any reason to go to Chrome, um, other you know, because I'm sure there's going to be ways if there aren't already. We haven't even researched this to to move your bookmarks over to to move all your extensions over to just move everything over to Edge. And Edge is always going to be a little bit better, probably on Windows, just like. You know, if you could, well, we're going to talk about this later, you know, different browsers on a Chromebook. Yeah. Um, Chrome is always going to be a little bit better on a Chromebook, and Safari is probably always going to be a little bit better on a Mac. You know, it's just kind of the way things work. And so uh, it, it's an interesting development. So, yeah, we got one around because we're going to start keeping up with Edge and seeing what's going on with it and, and how things work. But in Dieter's, in Dieter's post and in his video, you know, he spent quite a bit of time with the Service Pro X to begin with, and, you know, the review wasn't great. Uh, not surprising. Um, anything outside of things that are specifically compiled for ARM chips, mm-hmm. which is what it's basically running the Snapdragon 8CX. It's a special Surface version or whatever, but it's it's an 8CX. Um, apart from apps that are compiled specifically for that, it has to emulate everything. Um, and while that means it can run, it doesn't run well. If right. you've ever mm-hmm. emulated anything, you know, that it, the, the layer of emulation that has to happen just reduces performance. And so... Um, you know, the reviews have not been great for the Surface Pro X specifically because it's so expensive. Uh, it's a nice piece of hardware, but most people are like, there's just no sense in buying this when you can buy so many other great windows devices for the same price and not have to worry about all this stuff. Like there's not that much of a point other than you're on the bleeding edge of having a windows device, a nice one that runs on an arm chip and it gets crazy battery life. Um, and so he took a decidedly different approach the second time around and said, you know what, I'm just going to use this uh, edge browser. I get all my extensions in here. I run all my web apps. It'll treat PWAs the same way that, that Chrome would. So I can just install them. And if they don't install quote unquote install, um, I'll just add it as a shortcut and then boom, I've got all my apps ready to go. He just ran the thing like a Chromebook. And because the Chromium version of Edge, uh, I guess we can just start saying Edge now since it's out. Yeah. I, I think once everyone updates, everyone's mm-hmm. going to be on that. Uh, so Edge now uh, runs uh, in ARM natively. It's compiled for both x86 and ARM. So it's going to run just fine on there. And, you know, the difference in performance 
from what he was saying and what they showed on camera was just kind of night and day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was insanely fast um, at doing all of its tasks, all the web-based tasks, and that's that's exciting. Hmm. Uh, it's exciting for interesting. It's very exciting for Chromebooks <laughs> yeah. uh, in the future. Yeah. Uh, I think ARM-based Chromebooks in general. Yeah. So so let's c- can we go back for just a second um, for for those who might be listening who don't understand all of the Chromium repository and what you mean exactly by open source. Um, can we can we go back for just a second and, and explain, and I know we've done this on the podcast before, so if you are a longtime listener, you can maybe fast forward through this section, but you know what what exactly does it mean that, that Chromium is quote-unquote open source? Because you're right, there have been a lot of people that are saying, oh, well, Google's controlling this and Right. It's like no man, like not yeah. not really, not really. No, because so, open source is twofold. It and it means one, anyone can um, contribute to it. If you wanted to be a Chromium developer, you can sign up to join the Chromium repository, and you can jump in on threads and try to help out and add things and this that whatever. But it also means that that software is available for anyone to use. There are. I don't even know how many last time I looked, I, I can't even remember. There are tons of browsers out there that are built off of Chrome, Chromium, not Chrome, right. Chromium. And I think it's important to differentiate the difference and uh, between Chromium and Chrome, right. and Chromium OS, Chrome OS, just like it's different between Android open source project and Android. Right. Like those are, those are mm-hmm. different things and it's not always that clear. Um, and the, the simple, the simplest way to put it is, the open source version for so for Chrome, um, the open source version is Chromium. It's the Chromium project. That software is able to be taken and, and used however it wants. You can't go and install Chrome on anything you want. You can't go take Chrome and do what you want with it. In general, the stuff that gets worked on for Chromium will come to Chrome. That's just the general way of things. But there are things that Google can do for Chrome once they've, you know, the, the basis of Chrome is Chromium. But they can add some stuff to it that they want behind closed doors. Don't make that public to anyone. That becomes Chrome. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically Mm -hmm. when it comes to Chrome OS, going from Chromium OS to Chrome OS, that change becomes way more specific because Chromium OS, again, is is open source. So companies like Neverware uh, that make cloud ready that you can install on all kinds of Windows devices and stuff like that looks just like Chrome OS. And that's for good reason. It basically is uh, but there are things missing like it doesn't have support for Android apps it doesn't have the Linux container you know it doesn't it's not going to have some of the things some of the features that Google adds to Chrome OS and it's not going to have some of the limitations either like right. Google's very particular about how your trackpad functions Google's very particular yep. about what the keyboard layout like you don't pick up a Chromebook and get wonky keyboards like you know, every time you pick up a new Windows device it's like well let's see where is that function at and how's this and there's drivers <laughs> yeah. that do all None of that's the case for uh, Chromebooks because Google's like, nope. It has th- to work a certain here's, way. Here's the keyboard, and we have one variation of the keyboard. That's it. And Odell has their little variation that will allow because they're, you know, Chromebook Enterprise, and right. they're going to be using the VM all the time. But in general, you know what you're looking at with a Chromebook keyboard. It's just the same thing all the time. You know what you're going to get with a Chrome OS trackpad. You know, there's these things that they're very specific on, and they can make those specific limitations when we talk about Chrome OS. Chromium OS is just kind of like, hey, it's it's out there, and we've added the drivers, and if you want to take advantage of them, great. If not, great. And so that that's why when we see stuff get added to the Chromium repositories, 
it's like it's it's coming to something, you know. We, right. But it doesn't mean that that specific feature is going to be on every single Chromebook. They mm-hmm. added fingerprint scan- scanners. It doesn't mean that every Chromebook can do that. Once it goes into development and becomes a Chromebook and not just a Chromium OS laptop, that's when they start adding some of those specific things. And some of that stuff gets added behind the scenes, and we'll never see that stuff until the device comes out. And that's the difference. It's there's an open source project that that runs a huge percentage of what makes up a Chromebook or what makes up the Chrome browser on Windows or Mac OS or whatever. But when it goes from being Chromium to Chrome, Chrome is Google's right, version right. of Chromium. And so that's the easiest way to think about it. Everybody can use Chromium, just like everybody can use Android open source project, the AOSP. Anybody can take it, stick it on your refrigerator, make it, build it into your light bulb if you want, whatever. It's, it's open source. Take it, do what you want with it. But when it becomes Android for... Google, that is theirs. Right. And and specifically, like, they've even gotten more specific with it over time. When you pick up a Pixel phone, what you're getting, people, oh, this is this is pure Android. No, no, it's not. Not really. This is no. Google's version. This is Google's vision of what Android can be, should be, would be. Um, and it, that's become very more, very much pronounced. Like, the Nexus line used to be this. Oh, this is pure Android. Now it's still kind of Google's vision of what Android is. Like, Android without Google Play Store without Google's touches or without Samsung's touches or without LG's touches, Android doesn't do a, a ton all by itself. Like you don't want to go, the, the tools come out uh, recently. Like you can go and install uh, AOSP on your pixel. Like they've given you a tool. Like if you want to go do that, yeah. I do not ever recommend that. Like people think that Android <laughs> is at its base, what you see on a pixel. And it just isn't. Yeah. That's just not what, the what case. Would it, what would it look like? Uh, I'd be curious. Like we should try that. <laughs> <laughs> just to do okay, it. I mean, we got an extra pixel around. Yeah. Just do yeah. it and see what happens. Um, I mean, out of the gate, it wouldn't have the Play Store. Yeah. So that kind of takes Your off apps. a huge chunk of everything. <laughs> but yeah. you don't have all the Google apps, though, either, no. do you? So, no. You yeah. have zero Google yeah. services, no no apps. So um, yeah, you'd have a dialer. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't have a text messaging app anymore. I don't know. There might still be a base one built into Android. Um, but all the Android phones ship with google message or android messages which is a google play thing so that's gone i mean you're talking you get settings and home screens and yeah not much else. about it and it, it just furthers that argument it's a whole conversation for a different time but <laughs> in this idea that people get so tied to an operating system i'm like more and more the operating system is your settings your notifications and a, a platform to set your app on that, that's what it is that's all it is uh when it comes down to it and so um you know when that's part of the reason I tried an iPhone again, just to see, you know, for a little bit to see if I could get away with, and, you know, and all Androidifying or, or Googleifying. Well. Yeah, twelve hours done. Um, it, it's not a great, it's not a great thing, but that's because Apple makes it so hard to allow those things to just be the negative things. Right. Like I don't, I don't want all my links to open in Safari, and I want when I take a picture and I open the gallery, I want that to be Google Photos and little stuff like that. That's just convenience. It, they specifically keep you from doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. If if I could get my Android or get my Apple phone, get an iPhone, completely like all the all the services are there. All of Google services are there. They just can't easily talk to one another. Right. It can't easily be your default. If you could and set them as it's all getting default, worse because they're separating Apple Pay, Apple's payment platform from Google services. Right. So anything you have integrated with your Apple payment platform, it's gone. Yeah, set so, it all back up in another another way. 
And so it, you feel it. Like when you try to force Google stuff on there, and so Google's trying to be this horizontal company, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can put our services on whatever you want. Right. And that Apple ties doesn't to the whole, want to be that. Right. You know, and so it's just like, but in general, still the operating system behind it, if it's not, you know, riddled with all sorts of things that try to keep you from using anything else, Apple, uh, still is just settings notifications and the basic way you get from app to app that's that's all the operating system ends up doing for the the front user you know like yes it does more than that so if you're hearing this well oh, the operating system is responsible for the way that software is compiled you know, okay look is I that get it. is that robbie's imp- that's, yeah that's robbie's that, impression that's, of that's my impression of, of rage people um, rage people <laughs> and so like calm wow. down i'm not saying that the os doesn't do anything obviously it is the platform that apps get launched on but more and more as development moves towards the web, yeah, we we need it less and less. We rely on it less and less. It becomes less upfront, like it becomes the thing that's just serving up whatever app. Uh, and more and more, it's whatever browser that's going to get us to it's whatever app portal. we need. That's yeah, exactly I mean, what it's, it is. And we've talked about that for years now. But right. anyway, so so the whole open source uh, backbone of all of this, you, you know, I I I think, you know, the way you described it is is perfect. Chromium and Chrome are not the same exactly, and, and, and Chrome is Google's thing. So when 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 Microsoft is using Chromium as the backbone of their um, you know new Edge browser, does not mean that Google has all this influence on it and it's this huge monopoly. No, no it's really um, just the engine. Exactly, like they, it's they, the they backbone. Right, they know, don't it's need the foundation. To, and, I, and again, I'm coming from a web developer standpoint background. I'm going. I've, I love this because it's less. You know, oh, we we have our rendering engine, and they have their rendering engine, and this rendering engine. Yep. And so now, instead of like, oh God, I got to test this website or this thing I just built, you know, I need to make sure it works on Edge and IE and Safari and Chrome. You know, the more that those rendering engines are the same, I hey, I know this worked in Chrome. I know right. it will work on Edge. It just happens to be that Chromium is the one that the majority of people are going with. I mean, it's just right. So that everyone decided, hey, Chromium seems to work best, so let's do that, and now the web moves forward and it's better for it. Right. And, 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 and to get upset and again, about it, it is to ridiculous. act like Google has complete control over the Chromium project too, is a little ignorant, <coughs> yeah. you know, to be like, Oh, well, you know, Google's just sitting and pulling all the strings and manipulating like Google's contributing just like Microsoft's contributing. And they're all trying to build web standards and stay up with web standards. And like, I don't know, it's goofy. It is not, it is not as simple as like, Oh, well, like, Epic built Fortnite, and they're doing this with Fortnite. Like nobody plays any other game except Fortnite. Everyone plays Fortnite. That's all that anyone ever plays, and that's all that anyone ever does. And now that they have control over gaming, well, if that was a a, a legitimate case, then yeah, that would be weird and and a little troubling. But it would be different if Epic said, "Hey, we, you know, we built a thing to where you can build games like Fortnite." Um, any any third person shooter type game can be built on this. You can take it and do whatever you want with it. And people built other games that competed directly with Epic. Other studios took it and competed directly with them. You wouldn't think that Epic somehow dominated the game. Right. I mean, nobody th- it's Source. Nobody thinks right. that about Source. It's, it's There's the plenty of idea. Source games, and some of them are globally popular. They have competitions and all that stuff. And some of them are just fun games for people like me to play. No one's going, oh, CSGO or Counter-Strike, or whichever one Counter-Strike is, has just dominated every no one cares right it's and, available to everyone right because it's open source you know yeah. and it's a it, 
it's it's just weird when arguments around monopolies and specific software that that are legitimate. Uh, like I, I think people have a legitimate concern with you know Google being the de facto search engine for everything. I mean that's that's a, that's a legitimate concern. I mean that that gives Google control over a lot of stuff, and it's, it's not like they're like, hey, everybody can use our search and and compete with us. Nope. Now they have their foot on the neck of everybody else. Like they own that space, and if there's any room for concern for anything Google's doing, that would have to be the place I would be most concerned with, um, not a browser engine. Yeah, you know, because again, they're giving this source code away and allowing other people to build competitive apps with it. Like, well, it, you Edge could become as good or yeah. or better than Chrome. Yeah, it's so. It's, how's that a monopoly? It's it's, it's interesting because. Um, I don't know, for, from from my perspective, and I'm just kind of thinking, this is the great thing about the podcast, because we just get talking, and I'm like sitting and thinking about things that we hadn't really discussed prior to this, and so this is this is why this is fun. So this is really, truly, and honestly, those of you who are listening, this is uh, this is us just sitting and chatting, which is why I love podcasting. It's so much fun. Um, but, you know, Google has, has chosen this open source you know, horizontal uh, integration like you talked about. You know, they're not controlling all of this. They're giving the code away. At the end of the day, what Google wants, if you think about it from a business standpoint, Google wants people on the web looking at AdSense ads, and they want people going to Google and doing searches and clicking on ads. They don't really care how you get there. If you're doing it through an Edge browser and it's running through Backbone Chromium, yeah, because when, when you go to the Verge, <laughs> and, it's, on and then it's Ed, all better. Yeah, it's, when it's, you go to the Verge on Edge or Opera or Chrome or Safari or anywhere else, those ads are all getting served from the same platform. Exactly, it right. does not matter. So, so and f- at the end of the day, the majority of Google's revenue model is advertising. Well, so. and and ultimately, they want they want the web to be a more powerful thing for yeah. that reason. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and ignorantly right. act like Google's right. just altruistically like, saying, no, this whole open just, web thing is all because it's for the better of society. They want the web to be better. <laughs> they want the web to be better because they want you to spend more time on the web. Exactly. And so and click on the ads. faster they can move the web forward as a platform where people start deploying apps. Again, we go back to that OS conversation we had just a minute ago. When the web becomes the platform that everyone goes to, when the web becomes the place where you go to get apps and PWAs and consume content, that's all good news for Google. And so the faster they can get web standards in line, the faster they can get people developing cool things on the web, the faster they make more money because people are on the web more. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty clear cut business model here. It's not like this is rocket science. So, you know, again, to think that Google wants to somehow control the browser wars. No. I don't think that's it at all. I think Google created Chromium, the Chromium project, with an intent to build Chrome and to make a browser that would be competitive. I, see, I seriously doubt when they sat down to build Chrome that they thought, hey, in 10 years, we're going to dominate this. 65% like, we're going to own yeah. the market. Like, I, I bet they didn't. They just wanted to compete and wanted to create a spot where they can help move the web forward to get more people on the web. Because you have to remember too, when Chrome came out, we were just now getting into the mode of, Oh, app stores and Mm -hmm. my phone can download apps. And so I just get apps and that's not the open web. I mean, the open web is a place where everything has a URL and app stores and closed ecosystems and closed markets are completely at odds with the open web. And so had, 
had Google not done this, had Google, had Chromium not come along, had Chrome not existed, I don't, it'd be interesting to see where the web would be yeah. right now because, uh, again, and I'm not, I don't want to paint Google as like savior hero here, but I think they were looking after their own interests. But had they not, I mean, at the time when, in 2007, 2008, when the app stores came along and that, that phenomenon began, the dominant browser was Internet Explorer. And we all know how Internet Explorer developed over time. I mean, it was an absolute turd. Hot um, garbage. And because of that, I just wonder, in light of everyone going to app stores, I just I wonder what the web would look like if it was still the dominant Well, we wouldn't web be platform. sitting here for starters. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Yeah, this conversation between these three individuals. What's Chrome the, OS? What yeah, is right. that? Yeah. And, yeah. and Chrome OS wouldn't have been the answer. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling. You wouldn't have developers spending hours upon hours on figuring out how to deliver applications and, and experiences over the web. I mean, that would, it would look nothing like it does right yeah, now. Because when Internet Explorer was the top one, it really wasn't a very open web then either. <laughs> it right. was, like Google actively discourages people for building things. This is, you know, you need to download Chrome to run this thing or this, this site's best viewed on Chrome. That started to have a little uptick and I think that's been squashed down, but yeah. That, that started to happen, and they very vocally discouraged that from going on. Microsoft wanted that for a while because Microsoft was, again, trying to stay vertically integrated. They didn't – Microsoft changed 100%. Like, they've done a complete 180. They, they're all about get our services on everything. They're much more Google approach. They've gone back to being a software company that, yeah. that gets their software on stuff and just becomes widely available, which is smart. That's what they need to be doing. Um but at the time when this was all going down, they very much owned the web and wanted to own the web. And it was not a good ownership. It mm-hmm. was not, they, they didn't care about web standards moving forward. It wasn't, you know, there was very little worry. I mean, heck, Explorer would go a solid six months, eight months between updates. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, and it was just this slow progress. It was like, hey, the internet is what it is. Leave it alone. Just let it, you know, you, get, you look up a few things or whatever you're going to do. And it got disrupted by Chrome because it was ready to be disrupted. You exactly. know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't being effective at being the open web. And now that it is, and partially, yeah, it due to Google and Chrome and Chromium and all that kind of stuff. I think that's why I get a little defensive when people get so right. bent out of shape about, you know, Google, like taking over the web. I'm like, they're clearly trying not to do that. Like, but yeah, they built a great engine for, you know, right. rendering stuff on the web. And, the less and, variations all, of that we have, the better. Yeah, and in all honesty, if you want to use Chrome completely anonymous, you can. You can download a cr- clean install of Chrome and never connect anything to it, and you're complete. I mean, the, hey, you don't have to log you in. You don't have to share your stuff. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to use all of the Google services. You can use Chrome as it is, or if you don't like that, go download another chrome-based browser there's plenty of them out there i mean do you remember when opera was like the thing for your phone oh yeah, oh, yeah. like opera was going to replace other browsers on your well, phone because browsers on phones were terrible oh, horrible, for a while horrible gosh they were terrible but i mean opera is the biggest chromium chrome-based one out there other than chrome and well, i guess edge now but I mean, yeah edge will edge mm-hmm. will take that spot pretty quickly so, but i don't know yeah it's 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 interesting you know and and all of this, <laughs> all, all of this to say, we bought a Surface Go, right? <laughs> um, but you know, it's it, it. The whole the reason we bought it was to try out Edge, and that's that's what kind of what this discussion is about. Um, you know, it's it, it it is interesting that that it took Microsoft this 
this full circle thing, you know? Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you all have seen, I, I need to go and finish it, but the inside Bill's brain on Netflix. Mm. Um, I think that's what it's called. Uh, Netflix special about Bill Gates. Uh, really, really well done documentary style. Um, that there's this one shot as, as somebody who likes film and cinematography, there's this one shot where they're walking and the camera is just behind them. It's the, it's the interviewer guy and Bill Gates and they're just walking through the woods or whatever. And the camera's just behind them. You can only see their faces and they're just talking. And I was listening to a podcast. I can't even remember where, but the guy that made it was saying, you know, Bill liked walking and talking. Like that's how he was. Like that's how he would discuss things with teams and that's how he would get talking. So that's how they did it. They would just go walk. But in that they, they did um, go into some of the trials and stuff back in what was that the nineties or whatever, whenever it was a full on monopoly trial, like they were trying to say like Microsoft is the devil or whatever. I don't know. And it's just funny how, you know, they, they really were a software company back in the day and it's just kind of come full circle back around to that. So them, them going to edge is, is really, awesome i think and and for those out there that that are saying these things and saying oh well google's this and microsoft this like look take a step back and look at the big picture um and look at what this means for the open web and what this means for progressing the web and for users uh at the end of the day these companies have their own prerogatives obviously like google needs to make money microsoft's making money you know that they all have their their things they're trying to do but from my perspective, to take a step back and and look at everything that we've talked about right now and look at what Google has done, you know, I do think they had a clear mission. You know, were they trying to make money? Were they trying to get people on on the web to, to click on their ads and all this? Absolutely. But they had a, they had an idea in their head and they they had a thought of what the open web was going to be and look at where we're at and because of that like gabe said we're here today talking yeah. about and honestly you know, like, we have like a, robbie we have, said 10 years ago no one had a clue what this was going to look yeah. like no one no one I mean, you would have never told me that i could go to walmart and buy a 250 dollar chromebook computer or whatever and it's all in the cloud yeah it's all in the cloud <laughs> but i can install android apps on it and linux apps on it and i can do all these things i would be like are, are you crazy what's wrong with you well and i mean we just did a video yesterday and talking about three things i use on a chromebook on a daily basis that are all web driven applications yeah that'll probably come out today uh, i would think and you know those those three apps are uh, that we talked about were uh, had to do with photos but you know a photo that that can or an app that can, you know, resize and compress photos. That's web-driven. Squoosh. Um, uh, an is, app. That, is Squoosh Google? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. yeah. It was literally just a project thing they put out at I.O. Like, hey, we want to talk about WebAssembly. And yeah, no ads, you can build no, no anything. It's just a just cool, solid free app to do stuff and with. And it's solid. And it literally is completely web-based languages. Um, and then Gravit, you know, if you want to do image editing, like, I can't explain how much Gravit would have helped my transition to Chromebooks go so much faster and smoother Dude. had it existed um, back use, when I started. Use Gravit but, every single day. I um, love it. Yep. So vector editing, you know, in the browser. It's, well, and I'm it's a, pretty I'm amazing. A, we, we talked about this a little bit in the video, um, but I'm an Illustrator guy. I, I took some courses back in the day and really got into Illustrator, and I was doing designs and loved Illustrator. And I remember when you showed me Gravit. Well, at the time, what was it called? Was it was it Gravit it's, then, or was it well, Designer? Well, it's Designer, not IO. Yeah. but it's still it's whatever. So it was Gravit Designer. then. It was just Gravit yeah. at the time. And I remember opening it up and just 
I remember you and I were sitting, I think this was maybe over at the old office. I don't know. I was just standing at, at your desk and you were showing me this and you were like, yeah. And so you can do this and you can vectorize it and you can create paths. And I was like, this is happening in the, on a, in a browser. Yeah. Like you have to be like shitting me right now. Like this is insane. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So Gravit is amazing and it has a lot of the same tools that you have in illustrator. So if people are out yeah. there and they're like, Oh, I got to have illustrator to do this and this, there's a little bit of learning curve, but it's happening in the web, man. Yeah. And it's nuts. It's and it crazy. just keeps getting better yeah. uh, as time goes on. And then I think we talked about, oh, Google Photos. Google Photos, yeah. Um, you know, just the Google Photos web app, photos.google.com. For me, I, I kind of rely on and trust Google's ability to make my images look better. Right. I mean, they do it already on in a hardware basis with the Pixel phones. You know, they don't have the best cameras on them, like physical cameras, but Google uses what they put in them in the best way possible and uses a bunch of color science and AI machine learning to make awesome photos. Well, it would just make sense that they would do the same thing with Google Photos and whether you're on the app or the web, when you hit that auto button, nine times out of 10, I mean, it makes a much better looking eye-catching photo. Sometimes I got to tweak stuff and you can tweak you can tweak just the big things, you know, color, what they, color, pop, and brightness, light, I think. Light, or color, light, and color. pop. But then you can open each one of those up and get all your, you know, hue, saturation, blah, blah, blah. If you're into all that yeah. stuff, go for it. You know, it, you can do all that stuff right there in Google Photos. Download the image, squish it up, throw it into Gravit, add your graphics, done. I mean, all of those tools, all available, all web technology. It's, it's mind-boggling that those things exist. Yeah, and it's like, uh, I mean... Uh, Google Photos. Does it have a retouch tool in there? No. Gosh, that would be so dope if they added that. Yeah. That's one um, of the things I use in Pixlr, which is another app that yeah. I use every day. We were, I was going to talk about it, but I was like, honestly, it's I kind of own. I thing. only use Pixlr. It'd be a little dis, uh, disingenuous for yeah. me to say that I use it. I daily. use it. I use it for all of our Instagram photos and everything. It is I, my. It's my go-to though. If we grab like stock photos of something, um, and right. I just need to get that white background out. Yep. It does a very good Photoshop. Yep. It's, it's a. It's way more of, of a, cutting all that crap it's, out. It's interesting. It's Pix a pixel by pixel editor like Photoshop. But then it but then it has some of the so other little stuff in it, some like some Lightroom stuff, stuff and Darkroom and it's man, it's it's an amazing tool also, but you know, and again, web-based. Yeah, yeah, just, just go just, to the browser. It has right, a URL. Everything right. you do is a URL. So speaking of speaking of web-based things, uh Chrome OS obviously, we we truly believe in the future of cloud computing and things being in the cloud and these apps being in the cloud and operating systems operating through the cloud and everything. So we we bought the Surface to try Edge in Test Edge, but we got it in and it had an update. Oh, no, did you no, reset no. it first? No. So the so the guy, I guess, there's two ways you can reset a Windows machine. Uh, one of them is remove all my files. It's fast. It goes pretty quick. Uh, and then there's the full wipe. You know, like restore the disk image kind of thing. Uh, it looks like he just did the wipe my files. So when I got it, technically speaking, the, the OS he was using on it was still sitting there. And his stuff was gone, but that just doesn't make me feel very safe, honestly. Like, I I don't know your level of competency with with Windows. Setting it up. You know, and, yeah. I don't know that you didn't put something in here. That's, right, that's why they, in, like, in all my years no, of thanks. building towers and, and getting, I'd get secondhand computers from people and repurpose them, whatever. 
clean slate. Yeah, wipe Do- it out. It doesn't matter because a, a lot of people have stuff on their computer and they don't even know it. I mean, right. And yeah. I don't need your garbage <laughs> exactly. touching my my stuff. Right. When I open <laughs> up a, a used device, and if I send one out the same way, you know, I want to open it up and it needs to be on the welcome screen it would be like right. when it got it out of the box. And yeah. so we were doing something else, and I was like, right. I'm going to go and set, set a timer. timer. Yep. I'm going to start this process because it says this will take a little bit longer. Okay, that's fine. You know, you're rewriting the disc image. This, yeah, I so this it. is a full so reset, factory fact, reset. Full-on factory yeah, yeah, reset. Yeah. 51 minutes later, yes. uh, it was yep. it was to the point where I could start setting it up and then logging in and just getting Windows on to where I could actually start to mm-hmm. do anything on it. was another 25 minutes, I think, is mm-hmm. what it took. So, you know, an hour and 15 minutes. Um with a little bit of, you know, realistic time if you were doing this. It's an hour and a half project, you know, that you're going to put in to just getting it going again. I then turned and grabbed a Chromebook off the shelf that was logged in. Went to the lock. <laughs> Apparently, there's what a if, drag race happening outside happening? the window. Uh, oh, that's my what people gosh. Do. I don't know if you don't, guys heard that. that that's the sound the Surface makes when it's updated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's updating again. Now, uh, and so by... Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so in contrast, um, I grabbed the nearest one. So I'm I'm trying to find it. I want to I want to give you all. Here we go. Here's the article. I want to give you the exact times because uh, I I did. I literally put a timer on this. Um, just here we go. So contrasted, I power washed a Chromebook. So I went to the lock screen, hit the power wash key, stroke, and said, "Do you want to power wash?" So I started the timer. Boom. Uh-huh. Let's see. Uh, the entire process from lock screen to ready to log in and get going again, 52 seconds is what it took. Then I logged in. I started the timer again, logged mm. in, got everything installed, ready to ready to start work, 2 minutes, 14 seconds. So three and a half minutes. Do the math. 22 back-to-back Chromebook resets, complete washes, ready to work again. Yeah. Could have happened in the one that it took me to do on the surface go. So is that enough of a reason to be like, Oh, windows sucks. And Chrome OS is awesome. These are apples and oranges yeah, here. There's... Let's, let's not pretend. However, it does speak to the legitimacy of what makes part of what makes Chrome OS so awesome. Um, and I wrote an article just this morning about, you know, Mac OS and it, you know, they're a big uptick in, in malware and all this kind of stuff that has happened. Um, and while that's a little shocking to me, because we all fall under this marketing spell that happened, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago that Macs don't get viruses, you know, I've I've got a Mac. I don't have to worry about that. I don't get viruses. Yeah, you do. Um, apparently you get lots of them actually more than windows devices at this point, they're being targeted more. Um, and so I was a little shocked by that, but the cooler part was like looking at it and going, Oh, you know, Chromebooks still don't have to worry about this. And even if, even if somebody took the time to figure out how to target Chromebooks and got through all the layers of security right. that Google provides, because it's, it's multi-layered, it's not just one thing that they do, it's, it's multiple, you know, there's sandboxing there's at work. There's account level stuff, there's the right. verified boot, there's so much. At know. the end of it all, if you're like, oh man, my, my device has been compromised, what do we do here? Three and a half minutes. In three and a half yeah. minutes, 
you're fine again. Oh, and by the Your way, Google will pay not. you $100,000 if you can hack a Chromebook from the lock screen. Yeah, so. if you can find a way in. There you go. You can make you some money, too. Nobody's Apparently, done it yet. Right. Nobody's nobody's figured out a way to do that. And that it speaks to what Google has done from a, a, a logistics point of view from the ground up when they built Chrome OS. And yeah, there are restrictions with Chrome OS. Yeah, there are things you can't do with Chrome OS that you can on a, on a Windows device. And yeah, some of these developments take more time because everything is sandboxed this right. way. Like clearly it's, it, it's some of the reason why Linux apps aren't further along than we would hope they would be because everything has to be sandboxed. They're looking at everything goes through a security protocol first. Like it's not like I ah, just add this. We'll figure out how to make it secure later. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't pass muster when it comes to security, you, you can't do that. Sorry, we're not adding it. And so that obviously presents some problems here and there and it makes for slow development sometimes. But, you know, getting updates all the time, keeping things sandboxed and having a verified boot. Every time your Chromebook boots, unless you got it in developer mode, every time your Chromebook boots up, it checks your disk image against the disk image it has saved. And if they don't line up, it's going to warn you and Jeez, tell you, hey, it's it's time to... the ambulance coming for the surface. For the surface that's overheating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And so all of that to say, like, that part's oh. pretty awesome. This whole idea that you can power wash in just minutes and be back so, to a factory setting is amazing. Uh, and, it, and it's all because this is cloud-based, web-centric computing. Right. That's why all this works. Which is amazing. And yeah. what the, uh, one quick thing. Uh, I put out a video last week, two weeks ago, about optimizing your Chromebook and some things you can do to kind of clean up things and make sure things are running smooth. And in that, we talked about power washing. And um, one of our... Uh, I guess long, pretty, pretty long time readers. I guess he was. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if we should. I don't know if we should call him out on the podcast. I don't know, but we had a. We I think it was Jim, wasn't it? Was it? Was it Jim? Uh, yeah, he just. I said, don't hey, remember exactly, you know, so I didn't remind, want to say. I think it was Jim that said Jim Danton. Uh, yeah, and he's been. Uh, oh, Jim's. Uh, old, he's a. He's a product he's been expert. Around way yeah. before we were around. Forums. He he knows the stuff. He's the Wi-Fi master. Yeah, there we but, go. But yeah, Jim. Jim just pointed out. Yeah, you need to make sure that if if the <clears throat> an extension's the problem. A power wash won't actually fix it. Because right, because when you sign back in, unless you choose not to sync, right. unless your sync settings are turned off, which that could be an option too. You can right. do them one by one. But yeah, yeah, if the problem's on an account level, power wash does nothing because once you log in, all your stuff's all back. Your stuff's back you and know? so that's so. A, a beauty and a, and I guess when it comes down to having problems, and, and you talked about this in the video, like one of the steps was go through your extensions. You know, one Make sure one. it's not your extensions. And if you're having an issue with performance or something <clears> like that on a Chromebook, Nine times out of ten, it's probably an extension. Um, some of these things, you know, and I said this in the article I wrote today, like a lot of times when you have issues on a Chromebook, it's it's user-influenced. Uh, uh, and so it's you've chosen to install an app from some rando right. or you've put an extension on that you don't know anything about. You just put it on because a website said, hey, we have an extension. You're like, yeah, cool. I'll throw it on there. You know, vet that stuff. If you don't know the publisher, you don't know the developer, you don't really trust the website, probably don't want to put any software on your device. Yeah, if you find an extension it. that you think's awesome and it hasn't been updated since 2017, right. like, don't, don't install it. Or it has terrible reviews. <laughs> yeah. You know, like just some common sense yep. goes a long way yeah. here. But in the event that there's some issues, turn off your extensions and or log out and log in in, um, in guest mode. If the problem you have doesn't exist then, it's either an account level problem or it's an extension you have right. running. It's, it's pretty simple to troubleshoot these things on a Chromebook. Yeah, Google makes it easy. If you go to Chrome forward slash extensions... There's a toggle for each one of yeah, these. Turn, turn them all off. Turn it off. Turn it on. Turn it on. See if so, the problem's there. You know, it's yeah. it's like troubleshooting a WordPress website. 
Is it your plug- <laughs> Same thing. Probably your plugins. Turn yeah. all your plugins you off and try them one at a time. Deactivate. But, you know, and, it, and it's just a process of elimination. And, you know, I would, I would say um, run your uh, version of Chrome as clean as you can. Right. Like, use the extensions you have to use. There's no reason for you to have extensions running that aren't necessary. Like, I, I, I remove extensions all the time, and I'm like, oh, yeah. man, I haven't touched that extension in six months. Get rid of it. Yeah. Like, even if it's a great extension, it could be like NordVPN, for instance. I'm looking up here. I have that extension sitting up here. I don't use that extension. Right. If I'm going to use a VPN, I use the Android app because it covers on exactly. a Chromebook. Right. It covers That's everything. Right. I, so I like, reinstalled Loom, no point. Loom this morning because I needed to grab a video of a screen, right. a screen grab. I don't use Loom regularly, so as soon as I was done with it, I removed it because yeah. I live in Canary, so you never know when an extension might make it blow wild, up the so, wild wild yeah. west of chrome os yeah, it's it's daily yeah. for me the, but. the the last note that i have written uh written down here is chromebooks are awesome so all of this to say yeah and uh, it's, again it, we've said this a million times it feels like but it's just a different paradigm for how yeah. to compute yeah it's choosing basically choosing the web over any other platform because chrome os honestly let's be honest it's not this isn't some platform that's so amazing it changed your life like it's just a it's leveraging it's it's a thing that gets you to the web faster than anything else cleaner than anything else with less overhead than anything else right and and as robbie mentioned earlier that's not to say that you know though microsoft is just garbage but we understand that there are people that have use cases where they just have to have windows and that's fine but there are a lot more people who choose to use windows that don't really have to because i would rather find a way to do that one thing on Chrome OS exactly. than to deal with the 99 other things that drive me nuts about Windows, like the just, wiping just and the rebooting. The device. Uh, and yeah. here, here's one thing I was thinking of when we were talking about this. So, Because I said it, and then I was like, huh, I didn't really think about that. When we said, here's the, what's internally in this Surface Go, uh, Pentium Gold, mm-hmm. so an N5000. What that ends up is it the 5000? I think I think that's what it okay. is. It's only one they they listed as a Pentium Gold. Uh, so Pentium Gold, eight gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of internal storage. Those sound like Chromebook specs because they kind of are. There's no and it would be a really good here. Chromebook. It would. It's a cool little device from a hardware perspective. I love the thing. Really love like Neverwhere. What, what Microsoft is doing <laughs> across put, the board. We should put Neverwhere on it. You can. We can. Yeah. We, we can side boot it. it. Yeah. Um, and but but Microsoft. Oh, wow. Google hey, heard thanks, something. Google. Um, but yeah, Microsoft's doing a great job from a hardware perspective. Yeah. Uh, do not get me wrong. Like it, I'm envious of things that they are building. Like their computers are, are gorgeous and, and just they, they feel great to use. But Windows is kind of slow on on this little thing. You know, I've done a handful of things and some of the tasks I want to do are a little laggy and kind of slow. And I'm like, you know what? We've had some Chromebooks in the office that have a Pentium Gold, and they have four gigs of RAM and maybe 64 gigs of internal storage. They are nice and fast. And so it's just another one of those things of like, don't listen to what anybody tells you when they're like, oh, you can go buy a $400 Windows laptop because when we were deciding on the Surface Go, because we needed to buy something to keep up with Edge, basically, to have in the office. Like, oh, Edge has this. Well, we want to check it out. We don't have a Windows device. So we need to have that. So I went and priced, you know, price shopped and whatever and so i knew i could find a surface go on swap i'd already identified one that the guy was selling it with a keyboard is in pristine condition and the, the pin i didn't realize i had the pin with it for like 420 bucks or something like that so i said 500 dollars and down at our local best buy i want to be able to pick it up in store what do you got and there were four windows laptops and all four of them were running amd a6 processors Ooh. which is slow in a chromebook Ooh, yeah i don't even want i don't even want to 
attempt to mess with windows on that. I can't imagine. And and all of them had, you know, TN panels, like bad displays, and were made of plastic. And I'm just like, for everybody that continues to say, well, for four or $500, I got windows in this big hard drive. Yeah, you're going to have a spinning hard drive. You're going to have a slow processor, and you're going to have a terrible piece of hardware sitting in front of you. For the same money, you can buy what we consider like mid to upper tier Chromebooks yeah. on a daily basis. And so, no, it, it, I've forgotten, completely forgotten how bad displays are in general across affordable Windows devices. Like that, that's still a very normal thing, like to put these terrible TN panels that have awful viewing angles and plasticky keyboards and chunky builds. Like all that stuff is still normal. Go to a Best Buy, go to Walmart and look at what you oh, get yeah. for three or 400 bucks in a Windows machine and tell me that you would rather be using that than like an HP X360 or a Dell Inspiron Chromebook that's all aluminum Which with is a like backlit 300 keyboard. bucks if you buy it today. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, there's just yeah. no comparison. There isn't. And so it's just another thing in favor of Chromebooks. As long as you can get your mind around a different way to compute, a, a different way to go about doing things and are okay with finding some alternatives, I mean, it it pays off in the long run to use Chrome OS. So, so, so here's here's what you do. If, if someone is listening to this, I don't know if we I don't know if we have many people that listen to this that are like hardcore into into Windows. No, but that you if you're listening to this, you probably know someone who is. Or or at work, you have to use a Windows right. or whatever. So we here's just what, talked to a guy this week, we and he was like, "I'm trying to convince my boss exactly. to let me get a Chromebook." It was actually it was it was Corey uh, who reached out and wanted yeah. to stop by the office. Yeah, um, he, he made it by stop exactly. by. And we hung so, out for thirty minutes or so. Yeah, it's cool. So uh, thanks for stopping by, Corey, if you're listening. Um, but here's what you do if, 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 if you're in Windows and you have to be in Windows or if you're at work in your Windows or if you know someone, now that Edge is progressing, uh, try, try everything in Edge. Try doing all of your stuff that you need to do in Edge, right? Yep. Find, or, or, find a solution online or, or Chrome. Or, or download Chrome, yeah. Uh, and that'll give you a taste of, of what it could be like to, uh, because that, it, to, to use a Chromebook. But like you said, if the OS is really just there to give you settings and to kind of organize things for you, if most of what you can do is is on the web, then a Chromebook makes so much more sense because the reset times, all of, I mean, all of these things we well, yeah, talked about. The, the lack of overhead, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. There's just not all this junk to bother right. with and worry with. There's not all this malware can, to deal with. Like, can, just you get can, to the stuff you want to do. And you can get Done. really good hardware and really good internals yeah. that are going to make a blazing fast Chromebook uh, way cheaper yeah than a windows i don't care what anyone says yeah i don't care I mean, what anyone it's, says. it's very clear the, like you, this experiment has taught us that for sure yeah 100 percent. so uh hashtag switch to chromebook yes there we go folks we're going to take a quick break for an ad and we will be right back this podcast is brought to you by nordvpn we recommend the service and we use nordvpn because they keep your browsing secure and private on any device whether you're using a Chromebook, an Android device, a Mac, an iPhone, or a Windows device, NordVPN is going to protect your browsing. They also have 24-7 customer support in case you ever have any issues, and they offer a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to learn more and maybe give it a try, head over to chromeunbox.com forward slash Nord, N-O-R-D. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're going to hop into a couple other little quick things and then answer a couple questions that were submitted on Twitter. So let's start with, uh, I think, what seems like a, a good transition here. Let's talk about installing a different browser on your Chromebook and the process that Gabe went through. It was like a, it was a 
It was an all morning ordeal. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't horrible. Um, I've tried this before, and it did not work because there wasn't an official, the official unofficial way to install it on Linux. Anyway, you know, we're talking about Chromium and the different browsers that are built on it, and you know, Opera is one of the biggest ones. And I went through the process of installing Opera. It's actually pretty easy. Uh, just command lines with Linux, but then. I uh, saw someone had mentioned Brave, which if you don't know what Brave is, it's very likened to Chrome, but it is built off of a, more of a privacy kind of standpoint. They want to uh, prevent tracking on websites and all this stuff, but they have publishers that are on board and they have this whole different type of monetization uh, model than, than ads. So you don't get regular ads on the site. So I mean, if, if that's what you're looking for, you know, I know there are people out there that use ad blockers and things like that. And I'm sure there are people who have said, man, I really wish I could use brave on my Chromebook. You can now it's uh, it's actually pretty simple using Linux apps. You just go to uh, the articles on the website. It shows you all the prep work you need to do for it. It takes about 10 minutes total if you know what you're doing. So, but installed it and sure enough, it, it runs really well. It looks ancient. It looks really archaic, but that's because it's just, it's a bare bones build of Chrome with a whole different angle on how they want to do it. But, um, well, and two, like Linux apps on Chromebooks, since there's no technical UI, right? I don't think they even have any, like people take for granted the idea that um, every piece of software has everything built into it. So you install Chrome on, on a MacBook, for instance, some of the default fonts, some of the default things it does for you know, bullet points or something, you know, the, it's all those, system stuff. Yeah. yeah. They, they pull all these system resources. Well, they're, they're literally are none when you right. start dealing with Linux apps on Chromebooks. So some of that stuff gets exposed a little bit and looks a little, yeah. Bit. So think of a website without the style sheet, the functionality is all there, but all the pretty's gone. So, right. I mean, now opera opera, I guess the way they've built theirs, it looks a lot better. Opera looks like a modern browser and it, it functions really well, but brave, works exactly like it should and it is fast and the reason for that is is because they block trackers they block uh, regular ads and things like that and it does it's zippy so if you have been seriously wanting to use a different browser on your chromebook you can using linux apps uh, obviously you could install um android browsers it's yeah, annoying they don't look good they don't scale right Yep. Uh, you get pop-ups every time you try to open something because it doesn't know which browser to you. It's a it's a pain. This is literally install the browser via Linux, and when you want to use that browser, you just click on it just like you would the Chrome logo. Yep. So I think I still have Opera on mine just because yeah. it looked cool. Because so. why just not? Because. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's interesting, you know. I, I'm looking over here at the board, and one thing you wrote. Uh, <laughs> we have this whiteboard. We moved into this new office Sideways. six months ago, and well, we uh, took them all down for painting. Th- well, about like what three months in, they were like, "Oh, well, they're, they're going to paint." So like, we had held off on like really kind of decorating i guess or like putting up whiteboard and stuff so we took things down they painted and it's just been crazy like we've been really we've been busy there's been a lot going on and uh we haven't hung the whiteboards back up so we have have one whiteboard (laughs) sitting over here that is uh it's sitting on its side so everything written on it is 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 not going downward and uh but gabe somehow leaned over and wrote linux slash christini on there um, there was some, I think it was a conversation on Twitter. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's was... the thing. Cause, uh, I had, because in, in our ever, ever evolving search for a video editor that works on a Chromebook that works well on a Chromebook that does what we need it to do. 
a few days ago I had spent oh gosh a few I spent the entire morning trying to install DaVinci Resolve on my Chromebook and uh, someone had actually tweeted the same thing at me or at us the same day if you don't know DaVinci Resolve is a it's an insanely powerful video editor and they have it for Linux I don't think they have it for Windows maybe I'm not sure Anyways, yes for Linux uh, it requires intense graphic cards. I, I say the system resources used by that are more so than what Final Cut uses, I think, based I, on if you get the pro version. Anyways, probably. I spent a few hours just compiling it because you can't just download it, so I had to get it all together and finally got it installed, and it installed, and then I clicked the icon, and it just sat there and spun and spun and spun. So obviously not ready for chromebooks yet until we get actual gpus and chromebooks it's not gonna work so do you think it was do you think it was on like the the uh like davinci resolve side or do you think there was there's a chance that like all of that compiling and things you had to do to get it all together was that the issue now I i did it twice i created the installer twice my thought is because of a lack of an actual legitimate gpu the it's, it's it just, just not it. it just won't do it it's probably looking for something that's not there or maybe it's looking for drivers maybe it's looking for nvidia drivers right. or something like that nvidia sorry <laughs> nvidia drivers nvidia today i learned nvidia uh, it just wouldn't work great yeah. whatever but we proved that it could be done just not done well gosh that would be so dope yeah, so that led down to uh brave browser is right. very popular it's no i mean it's a fraction of a fraction of the market of browsers but it's very popular because of what they're doing they they do have ties with cryptocurrency that that's how they monetize their advertising but they pay users and they pay publishers all with this interior network that they have Anyways, yeah. it's very popular and the mobile browser is really good a lot of people use it i think they have like yeah, like 10 million monthly users right now or something like that which is that's that's not insignificant whatever if you like privacy and you don't what it's there if you want it yeah anyways so i tried to install it because i had tried in the past and it just didn't work yeah and what uh, was it that made it work this time uh well if you go to braves faqs they had a they had like a, an Ubuntu build for it and then like CentOS and some different Linux distros. There wasn't a straightforward way to install it on a Chromebook, which is based on Debian Stretch, soon to be Debian Buster, whatever. Getting real nerdy here. Get, hey, grab my glasses. Right, anyways, I tried the different methods they had. It wouldn't work. Uh, there were key ring errors, which essentially means every linux repository has key rings and if you don't have those updated key rings chrome os crostini will not access those repositories because it deems them unsafe one more level of security it just it says the key ring's not there it mm-hmm. won't it's not going to access it they updated the install method for it i don't know when and literally go in there copy and paste the code directly from brave drop it in your terminal and you've got brave installed cool. it, it took it took like five minutes once you yeah updated everything i guess else, i so. guess my question was like for those listening who are like trying to maybe experiment with linux and by the way like we had someone reach out and say like you all need to cover more linux stuff like let us know like you don't even do you have linux turned on do you use linux apps N- not i'm not on a daily yeah. basis no i'm, I'm, I'm curious I'm a, yeah. I'm a web guy like right. i love yeah. the web and yeah. so but I, like I try my best to honestly avoid needing 
or depending on Android apps or Linux apps. It's not that I'm not excited that they're there. Right, and right, I like right. the idea and all that kind of stuff. I just, for my daily workflow, I, w- I want to leverage the web. And that's me on a daily basis. I don't utilize Linux apps, but this is an area where Chrome OS is going to continue to grow and thrive. And it could be the answer to some of the biggest questions that Chrome OS users have had. Right. So I do daily test stuff. I do daily try things, different ways to access different applications and different repositories and trying to run certain things. I've ran stuff stuff in wine just to see if it could be done it's a pain in the butt don't do it just installing wine's a pain in the butt why would you would want to do that go buy a windows device there you go (laughs) we've got one you can you can buy it but they had mentioned that well there was this whole conversation we got to talk and then we ended up he's from memphis so we ended up talking about a restaurant i used to go to and, and he just talked about comparing crostini's capabilities and the things that you can do with it to a traditional Linux distribution, full-blown desktop, like two or three of the most popular ones. And I kind of got excited about that, because to be honest, I know just enough about Linux to be dangerous. Um, I would like to learn more, and I will learn more, but to be able to compare Crostini to a Mm -hmm. full-blown Linux distro, I'm not there. But it's something that I now want to do, and that's why it went on the board, because we want to start covering what apps run well on Crostini. What, you know, we've had people ask us just recently, what are your top three Linux apps that you use? And I'd say between the three of us, we don't have one Linux app that we use. No, no, because we don't not need regularly it because no. it, yeah, not regularly. But those are good things that we really want to share with people. And we are open to suggestions. And if there's an app you want to try, let us know. I'll be happy to be the guinea pig. Like I said, my Chromebox, other yeah. than the RAM, it's pretty much maxed out. It's got everything you can get on a device and it's in Canary all the time. I'll be happy to try whatever application you want. Yeah, I will do it. We'll make a video of it. We'll put your name in the bottom of it. We'll yeah. send you a high five and all that That's stuff. Right. So I, I, I get nerdy about that stuff. If there's something you want to see, something you want to try, let me know and I'll do it. Yeah, that, that's where I was getting, you know, I think uh, I think if there's anyone listening, I, I'm, I'm just curious what people are even trying. There goes there goes Gabe's phone. I was, swear I was going to go buy a new he phone wonders, He wonders why his uh, camera on the back is cracked. My son did that. Yeah, sure. Um, Shh. I'm just curious, honestly, because we don't we don't use it that much. Like, I'm curious right. if there are people listening who are using Linux daily. Like, what are you using it for? And from my, like from my perspective, uh, I would automatically be like, okay, well, what's like a web version that could maybe do right. this? You know, I just out of curiosity, because right, the two see... big things that come to mind that I always see is uh, Android Studio, obviously, because Google is pushing that. Google mm-hmm. says we want you to have an all-encompassing developing environment on Chrome OS, and you can do that. There is an official way to uh, official support for Android Studio on a Chromebook. It mm-hmm. works very well. There's debugging now. You can use your phone to do de- all this stuff. That they've made it. It's great. It's awesome. The other one is VS Code, which I did install last week. I have no idea what you would want to use it for. The Mm -hmm. things that I would use VS Code for, I can just use my regular IDE for. But I understand that VS Code is used to build applications and programs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's the lighter version of Visual Studio, but a lot of people use it, and it installs, and it runs perfectly on a Chromebook. Yeah. Yeah, I would just, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, hey, if you're using that, like, daily, like, what... 
what features do you want out of it and yeah. what are you trying to do with it? And then also, like you said, if you're, if there's something that you're wanting to try, or maybe you don't know the exact process or you don't want to completely mess up your Chromebook, let us know. Tweet at us at Chrome Unbox, hashtag yeah. the Chromecast. I've tried this before and I don't know if it's changed. I would love to know if someone has successfully got actually gotten a distro of Linux running in Crostini. I don't even know if it's possible. But to actually get a full graphic user interface of a Linux desktop. That's some Inception type yeah, stuff there. Yeah, we're going deep. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. I mean, you, it's, it's okay. a container that's using Debian. I don't know if there's actually a way to run... Robbie's over here. He's, yeah, he's gone. Whew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a firm enough grasp on the yeah. way that Linux... Um, leverages the the general ui so like when you when you're running ubuntu or you're running uh, genome or you know any of those like when you're when you're looking at the desktop interface that it gives you that's just a separate part of that particular distribution so like what part is that right and, and how would that launch in because i i think from what i understand the way that uh, uh they have Debian Stretch on a Chromebook. It's specifically made so that the visual interface is Chrome OS. Right. Right. Like it leverages that as much as it can to right. create and a Linux, Windows. Yeah, and, and a Linux like distribu- distribution isn't the same file runtime platform as a Linux app. Because like when I install KDN Live, I get the full graphic interface that you would have with KDN Live Video Editor. But installing a distribution, an actual software like Linux wouldn't do the same thing it's not it doesn't run the same way i i don't know so yeah if somebody's getting, done it let me know this is getting I, into some I, real I, nerdy yeah, stuff and yeah. i like it this is this is, a, this is what gabe does this is what he brings to the team some real nerdiness people wasted uh, hours of, <laughs> it's un, not, wasted. not accomplishing it, anything it's not wasted you're testing man <laughs> you're testing this is our job now. You, yeah, it's not no, wasting it's time crazy. anymore. You know, if you were like working your day job and then going home and not like, spending time with you your do kids. Today? Well, <laughs> I got paid to spend six hours to find out that DaVinci Resolve would not work. Exactly, <laughs> and it was great. Yeah, and it was great. Good, good day, good day. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you have some questions, uh, or if you want us to try something out, um, or if if you're using Linux, let us know at Chrome Unboxed on Twitter hashtag the Chromecast. Um, we've got a couple other quick things here. We're going to talk some gaming, and then we're going to answer some questions. Let's let's dig into some gaming. Um, Stadia is uh, not on track to release the amount of games that they said they were going to release. Uh, they came out early, I guess, was this before the beginning of the year? I think it was in December. They were like, yeah, we're going to put out 120 was, games it was or whatever. January. Okay, it was already in January. And uh, yeah, that's not Got that's not the case. Up so we've had what nine games this year? They're they're like fifteen behind schedule. Not right? this year. No. <laughs> well, you have you get two 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 no, a no. month. You're, that's just games they've added to free for pro. Uh, so that's not that. Oh, that's not right. Because Tomb Raider was already on there. Yeah, that's right. Those are existing releases. They just put out Save Point yesterday. Um, five new games are coming. They announced them. None of those games are available yet. So still, we're a big goose egg actually for um 2020 not one new Ouch. game is actually well actually and i think that like a motocross game or something really oh yeah just like nobody monster even, yeah. yeah super cross whatever um and you know i continue to say i feel like i'm saying the same thing over yeah, and over you, again if you we hear need, some if you hear some uh uh 
frustration in Robbie's voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very frustrated because uh, NVIDIA launched GeForce Now. We talked a great deal about that last week. If you haven't listened, go listen to that. And then we made a video this week uh, about running it on all sorts of different hardware uh, and came away with great results. And so, I, I don't know, it just feels like they leapfrogged Stadia basically right now. And I, I'm bummed about it because... In the end, when we start talking about platforms and gaming platforms and stuff, it's similar to the uh, discussion about operating systems, basically. Like when we talk about uh, an operating system, yeah, it, one OS could be better than the other, but ultimately it's all about it delivering its applications to the users. Same thing goes with gaming platforms. The platform can be great, and that's that's fantastic, but if there's nothing to deliver, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter that Stadia is this nice seamless thing that I hit the Stadia button and my TV flips over to Stadia and I click around and I click a game and I start playing immediately. If none of the games I want to play are on that platform, none of that stuff matters. Yeah, GeForce Now is clunky. And yeah, there's you see some of the Windows UI or the Epic Games UI and it, it's a little janky from time to time. But in the end, I can hop on and play Fortnite. In the end, I can play PUBG. And I saw some news that PUBG has a new 8v8 like arcade mode coming out. And I was like, man, that would be... Wait a second, I can play that. <laughs> I, I will play that. You know, I, I'm going to be able to play that on a couple of things I have. Yeah. You know, PUBG's not available in the Android version because whatever. Um, but, you know, the web player will be out soon enough and I'll be able to play it on my Chromebook too. And I'm excited that I get to go do that. Yeah. You know, I'm excited that I can play Fortnite every once in a while if I want to and try to actually become decent at that game too. And I can play Apex Legends and... I can play these games, you know, Counter-Strike Go and Counter-Strike Source and, and all these games that are available in Steam and these other places that I can't play on Stadia because I don't even know if they're ever going to come to Stadia. Like, I, I thought for sure Fortnite, PUBG, these these games that are free to play, well, PUBG's not technically free to play in the desktop version, but, you know, Apex Legends is free to play too. Like, I, I just thought those would be, of course, those will show up for Stadia. They'll just port those things over and get them get them out the door they don't have to do anything specific you know to begin with and they're just not there and there's no hint that they're coming like uh and it's so it's frustrating to see the games just not coming quick enough and especially with them coming out and saying hey 120 games coming in 2020 that's 10 games a month and you know i if we do simple averages and right now we have zero and you can announce all the games you want that, that doesn't do anybody I was any just good. looking, and I was like, oh, there's like 46, 47 games in here. There's really not, because a lot of them are different bundles of the same, of the game, same game. But, yeah, there's it's just there's there's this version much. of this, and there's a bundle of this, and it gets listed as a game. It's like, that's not a game. Yeah. I can like, go buy the little, the old Atari, the retro Atari, <laughs> and it has 40 games built into it. There you go. I'm just saying. Yeah, so it's a little frustrating right now, especially with uh, NVIDIA showing up. The way that they have. Granted, this week news came out. Activision Blizzard went and yanked their games yeah. out of there. Whatever, you know, stuff like this is going to happen with cloud gaming. People like are going to, you can't have that, and you can't do this, and end user license agreements. Yeah. You know, don't say anything about some of these games. But for whatever it, reason, it it's affecting them. It's it's not quite the wild wild west anymore. Like people are solidifying their approaches, but it's still like it's still. Man, but it's that's like the problem is that Google the had the chance to kick the door in on this, yep. and now they're dropping the ball when all of these other players are figuring out what not to do. Here's the here's the problem. The big the biggest problem, and uh, Nvidia is not the Google's biggest problem. Nope. Microsoft X Cloud is 
by far Google's biggest problem. If they don't get some stuff sorted, and by that I mean get games out the door, and I get it, part of this is on developers. It's not Google can't force developers to make games. What they, about they what about Apple? What are they doing? I keep seeing these commercials. They're doing something. Weird. I think Apple's whole play right now is just this. Their Apple iCade is it Apple Arcade? Arcade. It's just called Apple Arcade. Arcade. Is it Arcade? Yeah, whatever. And it's it's all mobile games. It's just mobile games. Uh, right? okay. It's no different than Play Pass. Yeah. It's you know, yeah, hey, you know, do this and you get free games. Is Amazon doing? Are they doing? So Amazon's rumored to be creating a game right, service. Right, because I saw too. the article the other day that said uh, it's. I can't remember who it was. Amazon and Microsoft. Yeah. Or, yeah. No, it's because uh, Phil, whatever his name, Spencer, yeah. uh, the main guy for Xbox, said, came out and said, hey, our biggest is competitor not, is not Sony. Nope. It is Amazon and Google. Yep. You know, and, and he sees the writing on the wall. Like, Google has created the infrastructure. Like, the thing is sitting there. It's beautiful. And it runs like an absolute dream. I mean, there are going to be little hiccups here and there. But in general, like, Stadia is amazing and i love it and that's why it's so achingly bad that oh by the way they also pushed back stadia base too so stadia base was supposed to be out in february and now they're like in the coming months whatever the heck that means so now we we've got the free version of stadia pushed down the road we have no new games yet in 2020 and i don't know what they do to yeah, incentivize here's the deal. To make those if things, you were going to gain a user base it wasn't going to be off of founders and it no, wasn't going to be off of only people idiots pros. like us are the ones paying for you yeah. know uh, the the founders edition that are like yeah i'm just gonna stick around and keep paying ten dollars a month for nothing <laughs> you know uh, like I, I feel like an idiot but i'm not gonna quit it yet we got guilt yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I haven't played a second of it. Like because, play, yeah. and and again, I don't want to paint Stadia in this in this corner of like it has to all be like you know, battle royale and you know five v five first person shooters. Like that, look, okay, I get it. Not everybody plays those games. That's fine. This this is just me specifically saying this is what angers me about it. But there, it, it feels like it's just stuck right now, yeah, and right. I don't know how they get yeah. out of that. I don't know how to fix it. My thought is. If they stay, you know, they realize, hey, we invested all this time, effort, money, marketing, blood, sweat, tears into Stadia. We've done this. They're going to stay long haul. Like yeah, they're going to just, they're just going to early. Oh yeah, it's they're going to stick around. Early. They're going to lease their servers to Microsoft. Yeah. In a year from now, it's going to be I, it. It'll be a war between them and Microsoft and whoever else enters the space. And that's that's fine. You know, that's that's what it'll be. And anybody that grew up when console wars. You know, they're slowly apparently not going to be a thing anymore, I guess. Um, but, you know, when it was like Nintendo versus Sega yeah. Genesis, and yeah. then it became Sony versus uh, Xbox, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, you always realize that had one of the other two done this or this better, we wouldn't be in this spot. Like, everybody would be over here playing on Xbox, or right. everybody would be you know, like, and whatever, and you drop the ball on this, da da da. That's what it feels like Stadia is doing right now. They just they, they launch their service and then. Open the door wide open. Said anybody want to compete? We we don't want to own this space. Like we don't we don't want to own this. We would love everyone to come here and compete with us, please. Right. And I'm a, I'm, just, I'm just afraid they can't compete with XCloud. If XCloud comes out and delivers the same level of polish that that Stadia has, they've already got the games and player base figured out. Right. Especially if XCloud launches and I say, hey, I'm going to try it out. I try it out, and I get to play with the user base that is Xbox's user yeah. base. Yeah, dude. Solved. Yep. If I get to play with the library of games that is Xbox's game library, solved. Your yep. two big problems already solved from day one with them. And that's going to be a huge like, problem. Why would you bother messing with Stadia? 
even at like and because like you know oh well stadia is going to be able one day to leverage these games that i can have a thousand player battle royale because it's server to server yeah yeah so so will all the other ones too like what they're offering won't be unique for long and i'm afraid they're they're pissing away the unique advantage they have right now by not having games ready and maybe they just launched because they wanted to be the first to launch and get the thing going yeah. and they weren't really ready and yeah. Microsoft doesn't have to launch. Microsoft can sit back and wait until they're ready to yeah. actually launch yeah. before they do. I don't know. I just I feel like it might be slipping away quicker than I hoped it would and it just sucks. I I, I want to root for Stadia. Well, it's like it, Stadia has the infrastructure but they don't have the platform and what i mean by platform is games and players it's google plus all over again dude it feels like it it feels like it i hate to say it oh man let's build a framework out but nobody's here (sighs) i remember i think jack said this it's like it's like going to the best restaurant and no one's there yeah i mean here's what here's what they need they need the library needs to expand the way that they said it did that's really the number one thing that they need to do right now. Yeah, if they can show up and they had like, hey, we have 250 games. Let's yeah, start featuring all of these features that we talked about. What happened with all the, you know, I'm this big name streaming gamer and I'm going to play. And then right. Where's you, all the YouTube stuff? You know, you can, right. ju- you can jump into the game that I'm playing. Right. And what, where's all that stuff? Right. Because that's the, what made Stadia exciting. That on 150 different games and you've got a lot of people interested. Right, right now yeah. you've got a lot of people going, why I already, am I going to own pretty much every game that's on here? Right. So you Why? want me to rebuy all these? Yeah, these games. are old. Why would these I are do old this? games? Yeah, because yeah. that's the other thing. Man. The new games that are coming out on Stadia so far aren't new. Right. They're repackaged versions of old games. So, and they're not even doing anything unique. The only <clears> thing <throat> I've played on Stadia yet at this point, where I'm like, that's cool, and it's only on Stadia, is in the Tom Clancy game where you can be in multiplayer games and see the other players right. viewpoint. viewpoint up there Which in is your, dope it's amazing like do that for all kinds of other stuff but they need the developers to do it the developers have to be incentivized to spend the time to make it for, for stadia. players for players but that there's are no there. players there exactly so why are you, it's, exactly it's the it's chicken a, egg thing yeah, that runs and, and, into everything with development cycles it's it's difficult and uh base base could help with a lot of this because base would get players online somewhat but you Um, still have to buy the games exactly so it's like it's a it's a balance and as often as i say base might fix it part of me is like the games have to be there too yeah yeah like no one's affordable even if if it's free people aren't going to go play it they might they might log in once and try it out and just be like oh this is cool but they're not going to keep coming back if they don't they don't have that game that they want so do they need a library of free games they need a handful, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. the free-to-play games that you know right. millions of people play, uh, <coughs> Fortnite, yeah. uh, PUBG, those games need to be around. Yeah. Like you need to have the ability because that gives people multiple things to Apex. enter in the door. Apex, if Apex Legends, Legends and, and Fortnite were on Stadia right now in the exact same form that they're on everything else, and there was cross-play available, and you told me, hey, you can go sign up for Stadia. Even if it was ten bucks a month at this point, but if Stadia Base was here, hey, go sign up for Stadia. It's free. Once you log on, go ahead and snag Fortnite and Apex, and in about five minutes, you can be up and playing either one of those games in the highest resolution possible. It's going to look awesome. The game is going to run fantastic, and you're going to have a good time playing with friends that play on other stuff. You're telling me people wouldn't jump on and try it? At least try it, and that gets people's foot in the door. And then they go, "Man, this is legit. This is cool, and I can play on all these screens." And da da da. That's the other thing that. It was supposed to officially be out for a bunch of Android devices. What? 
Yeah. That clearly we're testing it. That's still like, there's yep, just all these every false day. starts <laughs> that I'm just like, you're shooting yourself in the foot here, guys. You can get the functionality out of the way. Like that's not on developers. That's on you all. You need to have this stuff set up to where people using it can stream stuff to YouTube immediately that they can do safe states and let people like that gets people interested. But some of those things users aren't going to try because they're not going to sign up for a service where there are no games and no players. So well, it's just, man, it's, it's, it's uh, so frustrating. It is. And I think if we were sitting here with some of the team from Stadia, I'm sure they would, they would tell us of these things that are coming and they would tell us to be patient. But as if we take a step back and we just look at this as pure consumers, I mean, we're, we're reviewers, we're made to, our job is to nitpick these things for people so that they can understand what's really going on. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we just take a step back and look at this as a consumer, like, dude, you get you get one really good chance to launch something and, and go out and, and, and get this thing out there. From the gate, man, Stadia has just been tripping on itself, right. you know? Yes, I and mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, Google has a habit of saying coming soon and all that stuff. And for a lot of their products, that's fine because people are like, well, we're going to use this product and nothing else. Stadia is not that product. No. Consumers don't have patience. They just don't. I mean, especially exactly. not in this space. No, and not in this space. They this do is, not. You're this talking. is this is something new. You're trying to disrupt. Yeah, right. You, so you if have, you disrupt, yeah, you have to do it the right yeah, way. You have droves of people who who will wait hours, camped out for the latest game, for the latest hardware, just so they can get it the moment it comes out. They want the best of the best. They don't have patience to say, especially when there's. You're not giving them a light. It's like, hey, have patience. It's coming. No, when is it coming? When? Yeah. Right. right. I mean, and you, you've already said no. stuff's coming and then push those dates back. So yeah. it's like, enough. It's not in a good spot. It's yeah. not. And it, it feels like it's in a little bit of a danger zone right now. And it really sucks. I just, I hope Google has, has dug in and decided it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're late to this. It doesn't matter if xCloud comes out. It doesn't matter if our user base is small. We're going to plug away at this. We're in it for the long haul. Yeah. Um, I hope that's what the direction they take because eventually it could become something amazing. I just think it's, it's the windows closing for it to become the dominant uh, thing in this, in this realm. And, you know, especially X cloud comes out, yeah. they gets out of, and they just launched their iOS beta. Yeah. So they've, they've completed their Android beta. They launched their iOS beta. If they show up and they're like, Hey, here's a web player. Here's a windows app. Here's a Mac OS app. Here's an iOS app. Here's an Android app. Play any game that you already own via, you know, Microsoft's, what, what is the Xbox Whatever, Live yeah. account? Yeah. Like, if you have it in there, then you can play it on here. Like, the, the infrastructure they need for all that stuff's already there. They, they already have the player exactly. base, the games, the ability to deal with online stuff and chatting. And all that's already figured out for them. All they have to do is make sure that the cloud streaming part is delivered properly. And honestly, when it comes to cloud stuff, you know, the only other players that are uh, a threat to Google here are Amazon and Microsoft. And, Microsoft. Yep. and yeah. Microsoft's looks like they're getting close. I mean, I think xCloud, I bet, will be out by the spring. And I just, I don't know if that's enough time for Stadia to, to you know, fix what's going on. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't seem like it's going to be enough time. We are, uh, we are Google fans. There's no doubt about that. But this is a prime example of when when Google messes up, and they're they're kind of messing this one up. Uh, we we will tell you guys. Uh, we are we are as frustrated about this as anyone else, and we're not going to try to uh, candy coat it and, and tell you that oh well, it's amazing because some of it it's amazing, but overall, man, it, it's not good. And at the end of the day, we're fans of cloud computing. 
Um, we like Google. Google has been the one who's delivered Chrome and and Chrome OS and all of these things. We need it. We'll we'll figure out a different name for our company. We'll just be Cloud Unboxed. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound good. That sounds terrible. That's not good. Who put well, a cloud well, in the box? <laughs> Why would you even Why do that? Why is the cloud in the box? Why did the cloud even get in the box? Yeah. That's so stupid. And you got a cloud in a box? Is it airtight? Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, <laughs> enough, enough ranting. Dissolve. Enough. <laughs> enough. I think ranting. it would just absorb into the con- into the That's cardboard right. of the box. Yeah, it's just vapor, right? All right. That's right. Water okay. Now you've got a wet suspended. box. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're moving on. <laughs> Wetbox.com. There you go. Buy it. That sounds, I, that sounds so really terrible. gross. <laughs> that sounds so terrible. This is a family-friendly show. Stop it. I, um, you took it there. I hey, didn't. hey, we're moving on. I said it. Uh, Gabe, Gabe has to head out. So we're, I want to ask this question real quick before he no, has no, to. Leave. I have a reprieve. Take your time. Oh, okay. We'll, ask yeah. it real. Well, we're still. Slowly. Well, we're still moving on. So uh, we had we a couple eat qu- lunch. I know that's right. Uh, had a couple questions on on Twitter, and I, I want to dive into a couple of these. So um, at Josh Isaacs. 24 said what devices are you guys using and what devices will you most likely switch to later in the year upon release josh is here in in the great state of kentucky i do believe he is is. yeah he's doing no i think he's doing some youtube videos and that's cool he's in nicholasville no there's a restaurant in nicholasville no i think he's no uh the gentleman that came by earlier this week he was from nicholasville wasn't he? oh yeah. yeah he said he was like josh is from oh. anyway whatever knows. doesn't matter yeah. um, he knows where he's thanks from. for yeah that's <laughs> right thanks for thanks for sending us a question josh uh right now i am using the slate because the um that is the i5 uh i5 8 gig 128 there we go and i use it almost oh, all of the time okay, i think it's remember. 128 um I use it almost all of the time with the bridge keyboard, uh, which is the G type mm-hmm. and, uh, the Google keyboard, uh, will make an appearance. I don't know if I'm going to like a meeting, I'm on the planning commission, which is like so weird. I tell people I'm on the planning commission for the city and they're like, you're, you do what? <laughs> then they're like, of course you are. Like that makes so much sense now that you tell me. Um, if I go to a meeting, I'll slap the folio on because it looks like a, not like a laptop and there's something weird about that like going to meetings he wants like, people to think he has an ipad no no it's no, it's amazing what's amazing is our attorney who sat who sits next to me in these meetings at the end of our meeting this week leaned over to me and was like hey um can i ask you a couple questions about your slate and i was like what yeah of course wow really and he was like i've been watching your videos and I've, i'm interested in the slate <laughs> and you know the note taking all this he's an attorney so he takes a lot of notes and so we got to talking. So anywho, so that was cool. So that's he awesome. he notices it, it, noticed it, and there's been some other people that are like, "Man, that's a really cool iPad." <laughs> I'm like, "No, man, it's a shut your like, mouth. Joe hit yeah, him don't with you, it. Don't you say that." Did that feel uh, like but there's like this weird like cultural thing. I don't I don't know why. It just feels it feels less invasive whenever I have a folio for some reason. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. But I don't think that's cultural. I think, I just think we'll go with the latter. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's no. I think if you walk into a meeting like that and you open up a it's so it's it's normal to walk in with an ipad for some reason mm-hmm. and it's and 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 you don't you like you you don't go like you would sit in on meetings with htc every now and then but like my life was meetings 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 back to back and i was a ton of meetings for some reason there's just this weird thing about like ipads and like being able to walk into a meeting and have that and i guess it's more analogous when, to a phone when you when like, you open up when you open up your laptop it just gives this perception that you're like 
I don't know. It's weird. Like you're not paying attention or something. I don't know. Whatever. I'm so a weird. When the IdeaPad Duet comes out, there you go, dude. That's it. That is me all day. Because remember, I used to take the Chromebook Tab Ten. Yeah. That thing was just so slow. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. even. I would take notes, and it would be like I'd write a word, two, three, and then it would show up. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like there it is. Ooh, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> Struggle. This bus. isn't gonna work. Um. So yeah, I use the Slate every day, <sighs> and I love the uh, Bridge G Type. I never ever use the pen um i have it in my bag and i have it sitting on my monitor over there just for the random occasion that i want yeah, I to mess around i took a picture of it the other day yeah we use it there for photos go. and i'll use it occasionally if i'm doing something like well see i don't even do this anymore like i used to use lightroom and i would i would use the pen to get those kind of fine as you're adjusting those dials but honestly <sighs> dude you can just grab it with your uh, with the trackpad. So, anywho, I use that every day. I love it. Um, I had been using the Pixelbook Go, but uh, took it. Robbie sold one. We Yeah, there was a shuffling of devices, so I'm back on the slate. But I love it because it has a fingerprint scanner. And I know that's so stupid, but I love it, dude. I love this fingerprint scanner. You'd hate your phone if it didn't have a fingerprint sensor on it. Well, it's so, so. funny. I mean, I'm still using the Pixel 3 uh, XL. And I haven't upgraded. I didn't. I didn't even consider the four. Honestly, I really didn't. Especially once we went to the event and we and we got a couple uh, to try out. At now, nah, I just wasn't into it, man. Um, so yeah, I'm still rocking. I like the fingerprint scanner. I, I mean, think it makes a lot thing, of my, sense. My OnePlus has the end screen. And yeah, it's great it's like, and dude. it's fast. But I love the one on the back of. The so phone. I love it. I so like for it. me, so for me, that's what I'm using right now. I also have the MacBook Pro that's here at the office. It's the production machine where we edit video and do really like i well yeah that's basically all i do on it and we record the podcast on it um and i'll use it most of the time whenever i'm here at the office a lot of times like my desk my main kind of desktop setup is the mac but i have the mac google-fied as i say (laughs) and i'm working on a video for that so i'm going to put that out and tell people how i use the macbook with all of the google services and everything in the web other than GarageBand and final cut those are the only two apps i use on here yeah, and the cool thing is, I think with, so. With I'm looking Mac at it OS over here. Versus. Oh, I use QuickTime every now and then to do, to do a screen recording. But now that I found Loom, I use Loom all the time now. And like we were talking earlier with iOS being difficult and creating barriers to you know using Google services, Mac OS isn't that way. No, no, not at uh, all. For whatever reason, desktop operating systems just have, in general feel yeah. less barricaded. I have Google File Stream on here, which basically gives me all of the um, cloud file system that I need. So every single file that I have on this device my downloads everything uh goes to the cloud so i don't have anything sitting on the actual hard drive other than video editing projects um and then all of my apps i use are all google and messaging is all web apps and yeah i think it'll be a fun video to to show people and like it's so funny quick time i was like oh well i have to have quick time to do screen recording and then I started using Loom, and I'm like, wait, as soon as I'm done, it's there, and then I don't have to like upload it or anything to send it to the guys, and it's super clean to use. They give you a ton of options that, that you can do a little face recorder that uses the built-in. Yeah. Yep. So much stuff that yeah, QuickTime doesn't do. We need it's to make so a video stupid. just about Loom, because Loom is amazing. Loom's amazing, dude. It's so great. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Those are the, the GarageBand and, and Final Cut. Those are the only two I'm using. So, anywho, I think for me, the device that I could see myself using in the future um, would be the Galaxy Chromebook. And that's my final answer. 
Gabriel, what are you using right now? What are you going to use? I use the i5 Pixelbook Go on the go. So at home and if I'm out and about or whatever, if I just feel like sitting in one of our comfy chairs and writing uh, at my desk. I, I use, don't think I've ever seen you do that. I, that's because <laughs> I come to work at 730. That's right. Uh, I don't show up until like, like 9. Okay. Like no, 9, I, drop, 30, I drop my daughter off. I get to the <laughs> office quite a bit earlier. And sometimes I do sit. We have these really comfy little low chairs that you've probably seen them in pictures and stuff but anyways uh my desktop is a what is it asus i can't see it yeah asus, uh, asus core i7 8 it's got base ram and base uh, hard drive in and i probably need to upgrade it but i keep that as my developmental box so it's in canary um i use it for testing stuff and i'll walk in and gabe's screen is flickering and yeah like and i'm crazy vi- stuff. videos right now in canary are not working well any <laughs> any page that and it's not just the video if you are looking at a website that has a video on it the entire page just goes nuts so robbie asked me to enable yeah. a flag the other day it's i think like, that's what mm, did it so. i'm not sure what so yeah i like having happen. the desktop box because i like being able to upgrade it if i want to and i also just feel i feel better about tinkering with it than i do the Pixelbook Go. It should yeah. be pristine and, and stable and just... Well, it's yeah, it's what you so. can go to when you need to sit down and write an article or right. you really need to focus on something and you don't want to have to worry about glitches or whatever. Um, so what device could you see yourself upgrading to as Man, we get this slew of new that's, devices? That's tough. I'm, I'm weird. I loved the Asus 302 when it came out because of the industrial look of it. Uh, I love the new Asus 436. But I also love the Galaxy Chromebook. I'm just not sure which one. I'd have no use for the stylus. Mm. Um, the red's a little much for me. The gray is nice, but I just don't know. I, I don't know. I'm torn. The, I think the deciding factor for me is that I do like that pearlescent look of the Asus. And my wife is probably going to end up with the Galaxy. And I don't want to have the same Chromebook as her just because I'm weird finicky sure particular particular sure so yeah i'm going i'm going asus asus uh, yeah 436 okay interesting i thought you would maybe lean towards uh that little lenovo that we were trying out uh, yeah it's 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 really nice it's just not quite premium enough yeah you want not you want the nice metal it's not project athena Mm. Mm -hmm. there we go Robbie, what are you what are you using currently, and what will you be using in the future? Uh, currently, Pixelbook Go. Uh, so a lot of people saw that I sold my personal one. We have two uh, kind of loner, yeah, ones, reviewed units, whatever um, that that have been given to us. Um, so yeah, I took the one that Joe was messing with because he likes the slate. I do. Um, so I do not like the slate. Um, so I sold my personal one. Uh, as soon as we got back from CES because I knew like I need to get out of this thing and be ready to go whenever the <laughs> yeah. Samsung comes out because not surprisingly I mean if you watch my video you know uh, that's that's where I'm going and you're using base model uh, uh, no go. no this is the i5 8 the, I'm the, sorry the one I the bought, one you personally, bought personally, was, personally and was... I used it for a couple months yeah. um, and honestly I couldn't tell you that like if you hand one to me let me use it for a day and hand it the other one to me. I would not have been able to tell the difference. It's not like, oh, I got this i5 on back and was like, oh, thank God it's fast. Yeah, and, yeah. and we like, get people that ask. No, yeah. I forget, honestly. Yeah, that we I'm get people that ask that. They say, well, I'm looking to transition to a Chromebook, but I want something more premium. 
I live mostly in the cloud. Are you sure the M3 is enough? 100%. 100%. Well, don't waste the extra three, two, three hundred dollars yeah. Unless yeah. you just I mean, need it for some Yeah, the internal storage would be reason. the only thing that, that right. depending on the way that you use the Chromebook. Like and for this me, one, and I just the, don't, I don't store much on it. Yeah, and right. the Go does not have expandable storage. No. So I mean, you could use a USB-C, with, yeah. you know, Which, type I mean, drive. You could, could definitely do that. Dope, but, but it's not going to be as mobile. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I wanted to go with the, uh, the, uh, Samsung Galaxy Chromebook. I want the red one. Robbie's over here reclined, getting all comfortable. Yeah, my back's been hurting. He's, so this, this kind of gives me a little relief. <laughs> um, and I, I'm different, you know, I like, I, I put my Chromebook on the desk in front of me. I've got a monitor that can kind of go up and down so it mm-hmm. can adjust to whatever Chromebook I'm using. And that's just come from years of reviewing Chromebooks. Like I need to force myself to use the exactly. trackpad, yeah. the keyboard on that Chromebook all the yeah. time. And so I've just gotten in that habit. That's just my workflow. It sits in the center underneath the big screen and I move stuff back and forth and use virtual desks. And it makes for a nice clean setup because I don't technically have to have a keyboard or a mouse on my desk. I drop the Chromebook on, hook one cable in and yep. um, uh, the whole setup's going. Um, but I also, talking about future devices, I, I will have that uh, little Lenovo tablet. Oh, yeah. The IdeaPad Duet. I think like, we're all going to buy absolutely. that. Probably just have Personally. Yeah. Like, I think we're, because we're each just going to buy that it, and have it. It'll I be, can't wait, dude. It'll, yeah, I'm going to buy it as soon as it comes out. I'm yeah, sorry I'm, to keep interrupting I'm not you. sure how my use case will go with it. I'm not sure either. Because um, <laughs> I just there's, want there's it. multiple things that c- it could be awesome for. So, like, even with the Samsung, it's the thinnest Chromebook ever made. It's one of the lightest Chromebooks ever made. Like, it's super portable. There's not like, oh, there's this big clunky Samsung, and then there's this little guy. Right. But, I mean, I could see myself just taking the Lenovo home on the weekends. Yeah, dude. It, you know, because $280, you get the keyboard and everything with it. So, it's like, I don't know. It's going to be real interesting That's to have thing, it around. It's perfectly capable. I mean, you think about, you know, doing stuff on the weekends with the kids or going to a meet or whatever. Just and snagging you, it. It's so much smaller. It's like, it's perfect, you know, because it's perfectly. It's not like the Tab Ten. It's perfectly no. capable of of opening a WordPress editor and writing an article and doing a few things yeah, and opening Grab It and all that. It is great for that stuff. We go to Florida, do whatever. I'm taking this because this is what I'm going to work from. And especially, and it's not going to be miserable. You start thinking about like uh, GeForce Now getting yep. their web player up and running. Yep. It's going to be a, a dope little gaming setup, or as you know, Stadia gets their head out of their butt and. Gets everything done, you know. Stadia will be awesome on that, you know, playing Android games. Like if you play tablet type Android games, it's small enough to play games where you have to use, you know, your thumbs on the screen kind of thing like you would on your phone. So, I mean, it's going to be a bunch of stuff where it's going to do really well. And it, I think it's going to pave the way for thinking of different ways to use Chrome OS devices for you know, these Snapdragon Chromebooks that we're expecting at some point in time, you know, that, that are probably going to be a little more high performance, maybe a little more expensive as well. Um, yeah. So I, I it's going to be a really awesome little tablet and there's other ones like it that are going to be coming too that, that we yeah. know are I think, in the works. I think the, uh, I think the, the cool thing for me will be using the Mac um, for production stuff and uh, video editing and all that having the Lenovo as an option to dock into my setup here would yeah. be dope. Um, and then take it home, like leave everything else here, take home the Lenovo and have a setup at my house. That's a, a keyboard and monitor there. If I really want to sit down and get some work done or maybe even not, maybe I just, maybe I just use this thing and sit on the, sit on the, the, you know, the living room table and sit and get some work done or, 
use it that way to actually get some work done, but then to be able to pop it off and actually use it as a tablet and be able to sit and hold. I, I use the slate quote, I'm doing air quotes right now as a tablet in the mornings, but it's not great, but I've honestly kind of stopped doing it, man, because it's kind of annoying. And to be completely frank, it's kind of hard to get it in and out of the, the bridge. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, you're keyboard. like one hand down like and on the top of it. I just, so I just leave it in there, man. I don't, I don't, so that, that I, versus the Lenovo and, we messed with at CES. So it's like, it literally just like, so perfect. it's like, Pop it's it like off. the bridge, the, the bridge is great. And I love the bridge, but man, it's hard. And it, they had to make it like that to make it. It's got to hold it work. because the thing's heavy, but dude, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. And so the Lenovo could just be this, this multi-purpose thing that would just be, oh man, it would be so dope. Uh, we've got a we've got a FedEx guy here. It's okay. It's all right. We're just, Robbie's Robbie's going <laughs> Robbie's going to grab our a package. Oh man, I don't, this might what did be we our get today. I don't know. We've ordered a couple of things. This oh, might be our man. our kitchen cart that we're gonna put here. This guy probably hates us because it's so we get we get this like Robbie's not gonna be big, able to lift it. Yeah, no, his back's all messed up. <laughs> it's a it's like a big kitchen cart that we're gonna use to put our espresso machine on and everything. Is that what it is? Is it the kitchen cart? Ah, oh, bummer. Um. So yeah, I think that's no uh, hopefully that answers okay. your your question. We did have one other question from um, uh, I, we, we st- I'm sorry, I still don't know how to say your name, uh, Bo Kelly, B O E K E L L E Y on Twitter. Um, he said, yeah, "Yeah, I think it's just Bo." Um, any plans to start featuring the rest of the staff in videos? Uh, he says, "I mean, R- Robbie is great and all, but variety is the spice of life." Yeah, man, we um, we we back when we first started kind of pursuing this more aggressively, and I stepped away from my full time job. We had made a video on YouTube saying, "Hey, we're going to be making more videos, and we're going to be doing stuff with uh, with myself and Gabriel in videos some more some, at a more frequent right you know basis or whatever." I don't know what I was trying to say there, um, and. Uh, and it was just hard because we were in transition. We were filming at my house. We didn't have like a studio space to film. And so it just was hard to do that. We produced a couple videos and we kind of stopped there for a little while. We transitioned to this new office. We now have a studio space. We are considering a different studio space, but we're still going to have that setup where everything is there. We walk in, turn on the camera, turn on the lights, and we're ready to film. And just having the studio here, Gabriel and I have already both produced a couple videos. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we absolutely want to do. It's just, it, it has just been a matter of time. I mean, yeah. it's just, when we've started doing this full time, it was like we had kind of all been doing this as a side hustle. So we started doing it full time. We've got this full week to do things. And it, there for a little while, man, it was just like, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be doing this. And we had ideas of what would work and then those didn't work. And man, Joe's going to spend a bunch of time on social media. And then we realized like, ah, that's cool. And we need to do that, but it probably going to be more lucrative for us for him to focus on articles. And so we just had this transition period and we're finally getting settled in and we're just not to toot our own horn, but we're, we're, we're crushing some content right now. We're, we're putting out a really good amount of content and a good high quality amount of content both video and articles. And so now that we've gotten into this new routine, I see us getting to a new flow where uh, Robbie is still producing the main content on the channel, but Gabe and I are, you know, every other video or or something, you know, and Joe and I tend to tend to cover things that, that are outside of the main vein. I mean, when Robbie started this as a YouTube channel years ago, it was 
Chromebook reviews. It was unboxing, unboxing Chromebooks yeah. and then following up with the reviews. And that's still his main avenue. And, and not to say Joe and I won't ro- review a device every once in a while. We I just will. reviewed I mean, the uh, SoundPeats. Yeah, little, uh, yeah, and I headphones. did a hands-on with the Lenovo while we were in Vegas and um, reviewed the TickWatch. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, there's opportunity for Joe and I to kind of expand out into areas that we've not done before. But at the same time, we're still producing all the Chromebook content, and there's a lot of more, lot more Chromebooks exactly. coming out now than there was five years ago. And then Joe has the insurmountable task of editing all of these videos that we make so you will see more of us don't expect to see us as much as you do robbie yeah um unless you just want to like snapchat with us or something maybe i don't know (laughs) i I don't know instagram (laughs) instagram Twitter. Twitter. i don't do the snapchat stuff anymore Uh, really yeah it's Uh, i I don't know like my girlfriend and i will send little snapchats back and forth but for the most part i i wrote an article about this this week what I was using Snapchat for was to send photos to people to say, like, hey, look at, for, for example, I have a little neighborhood cat that's been around the neighborhood. I think the neighbors were feeding it. Uh, they moved out, and so this cat's just kind of been out and about, and it's been really cold here the past couple weeks here in Kentucky. And so, Guess I've, who's got a cat? <laughs> my, girlfriend, my girlfriend has convinced me somehow. I, I honestly, I will be totally truthful. I hate cats. I'm allergic, and you I don't I, hate I, them that much. It writes. <laughs> well, you know, girl, girlfriends have a, a interesting convincing power. Uh, so here, here I am with a cat, and uh, I wanted to send it to my my mom, and I'm not going to send her a Snapchat. She's on Snapchat because I think she was following my little brother. Um, <laughs> but I upload it to Google Photos and send her a thing and we can chat right there in Google Photos and yep. it's just like that's yeah. what I'm using that's awesome. what I was using Snapchat for and for the kind of general public stuff that I do Instagram stories now because right. it's shared straight to Facebook so it's like why do I need Snapchat anymore yeah and then it's like TikTok's coming along I still don't use TikTok but I know a lot of people that do it's like for that quick little just random stuff TikTok's now the thing I don't know. I know. Yeah. I know a lot of people are still using Snapchat, but yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not for it. I, I was Josh. I, I don't use Snapchat. I mean, yeah. I was joking this morning <laughs> that I don't technically have my own Instagram. We had created. I had created one a while back that it be, was I essentially created it for Chrome Unboxed. Yeah. I don't have a personal Instagram. I, I don't, what is Instagram? Yeah, man. It's a, it's a cool thing. You should you check it out. There? There's a couple. Is people, it a there's Google a couple people on there. app or something? <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a couple of people on there. Hey, but speaking of social media, we're going to wrap this thing up. But but speaking of social media, if you are not following us on social media, you should because you will get some little teasers of things that we're doing, particularly over on Twitter. Um, we've told you guys about a giveaway that we're doing and a campaign that we're going to be doing. We've actually only shared that with you all. Our podcast listeners are the only ones that know about this. Yep, yep. In, in its full extent, you know, we've, we've explained what it is to you all. There's there's a little teaser on Twitter. That's all I'm going to say. Go to Twitter. Go check it out. It. All, all I will say is dinos on the run. And uh, go check it out on Twitter. So, folks, that's it for today. It is Valentine's Day. If you have a significant other that you're celebrating that with, hope you all have a great Valentine's Day. Speaking you, of that, real quick before uh-huh. we go, uh, I published it this morning. Rakuten has been kind enough to oh, give yeah. us another uh, $250 gift card. Well, not give us. They're giving it away. Uh, 
and because they are doing a huge Valentine's Day promo, fourteen yes. percent yeah. cash back for the fourteenth of February on like one hundred fifty sites. That's great, but if you want to win two hundred fifty dollars gift card, head yep. over to our site and sign up. Uh, it's free to enter. There's all kinds of stuff you can do to get extra entries. But yep. hey, who doesn't want two hundred fifty dollars? Oh yeah, you can buy it. the new Lenovo Idea Pad. There you go. That's Duo. right. That's right. We'll link it. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes, uh, Gabe's article. But if you just go into the website and search Rakuten, you can find it that way as well. Uh, he published that this morning, so it's Friday the fourteenth. You can go find it. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, hope hope you have a good Valentine's Day. If you if you don't have someone uh, to celebrate with, uh, go buy yourself something. Go go get a go get a nice uh, pizza. Yes, yeah, or a burrito. Up, warm cup of coffee. The That's Chromecast, right. dude. It's great. There you go. Life is good. We'll you know? hang out with you. That's right. We're here for you. We should have had a backing track <laughs> for this should. whole thing. <laughs> Some nice smooth, Some nice jazz. smooth jazz. jazz. Dude, I'm going to uh, edit that in for this segment right here. Great. Right yeah, here towards the end. And cue the music. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Um, as always, uh, we appreciate you all tuning in and listening to us talk about all this stuff. Cloud computing and edge and we love this stuff. We nerd out about it, and we hope that you will enjoy listening. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna sign off for today. Eat some lunch, and we will catch you all next week. See you. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. You can find show notes over at chromeunbox.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS, make sure to check out our website, chromeunboxed.com, and follow us on social media by searching for at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.